Hey, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. That's where we'll start. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll put one in your hand right now. Anybody need a Bible? We will. One of our blue shirts will bring you one. Don't be ashamed if you need one. Uh, somebody needs one every week. So uh, lift your hand in the air. We'll bring you one. All right, Acts chapter 3. That's where we will be today. I'm going to read the first 10 verses of uh, Acts chapter 3. And you imagine, if you will, me this week trying to figure out what in the world the Lord wanted to say to us through this. Because that's the way my week started. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, this is what the text says. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive fr something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have... I give to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat by the beautiful gate and the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, help us today to receive it with a glad heart. Teach us something from your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's jump right in to what, uh, what the text says and what the Holy Spirit would have for us today. Right off, verse one. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. You know, it's interesting to me that after the resurrection, like post-resurrection, after the Holy Spirit had come, which is what we see happen in Acts chapter 1 and 2, that after that, that they, uh, they're still uh, going to the temple to worship. It's an interesting thing to me. Why do you think they would continue? Why would they continue going to the temple, into their Jewish temple, to where, where they were, where they had normally gone? Why would they continue to just go back to the temple whenever they regularly went to worship? What do you think? Tradition. Tradition, okay. What else? Pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> we old people know that song. <laughs> Say it again. Their it's their community, yeah. What else? To reach those people, okay. Somebody thinking like a missionary? Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think they went because all of what they had heard about Messiah coming had just been, it's true. Right in front of their eyes. I mean, they had seen it all. And so this was not something ethereal. This was not something that they were just trying to figure out with their head. Just like kind of we do sometimes. You know, we come to church a lot of times and we go, man, I, if I could just see this happen, if I could see this occur, then I might have faith to believe. But they saw it. 
I mean, they, they literally saw what was going on. Everything that they had heard preached through their entire lives, they saw actually come to fruition. All the stories, think about all the stories that they had heard their entire life about Messiah who was to come. All the stories that, that had kind of unfurled in front of them as, as the scribes would open the scribes and, and open the Old Testament uh, text and they would read from them and they would declare these things to them. All the rituals that had been in play during their time, all that actually meant something to them then. They had actually seen the fulfillment of what it was they had heard their entire life. All this pointed to the Messiah. All this pointed to Jesus who had come, the deliverer who had come, and now he had, or the, for them, who, who he would come, but now he had come. And they got to be eyewitnesses to the fulfillment of all that Old Testament text. Think about that. They had the Old Testament, and it was in the temple. They would go to the temple, and the, the, the priests would unroll these scrolls, and they would read through these scrolls, and they, they still had nothing. They just knew that a Messiah, a deliverer, would come. They thought it would be some army guy who was going to deliver them by might and by power, but they realized that it was Jesus who had come. They were eyewitnesses, and they were chosen by Jesus to be part of his people, his dudes, his posse, his boys that he hung out with. Peter and John were in that group of people, and they got to see it up close. They watched him perform miracles after miracles. I mean, there were just a few that were listed in John's gospel. He turned water into wine, first wedding, you know. His, his mom becomes said, hey, Jesus, you know, they're kind of out of wine here, and it's going to be embarrassing for this dude. Would you mind turning this water into wine? And he was like, hey, woman, my, my time has not yet come. Get off me, you know. Uh, it's, it's not my time yet. And she was like, and so she kept bringing water to him and basins and all this stuff. And so he turned water into wine at a wedding. That was his first miracle. Uh, he healed, a no all this is found in John's gospel. He healed a nobleman's son. He uh, healed a man at the pool. He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He healed a man born blind. And then we even see uh, him raising Lazarus from the dead. All this is found in, in, just in John's gospel. That doesn't mean the rest of them. But those are just a few things that they saw and they recognized that he was Messiah. And then this, th this whole thing secured it for them that Jesus was, uh, he, raised, he was raised from the dead. He heard him, they heard him pray. He taught them to pray. Uh, and, and, and he gave them this model prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Um, but I just want to sidebar here and say, Jesus, whenever he gave them the Lord's Prayer, he told them to pray like this, okay? How many, of you, how many of you are athletes, or at least former athlete like myself? I'm an old athlete. How many of you were kind of an athlete before, and you said the Lord's Prayer before some athletic event in your life? Anybody done that? Anybody? Yeah, okay. How'd that go? How'd that go? Somebody pray like you would pray in a football huddle. It's almost like the Hamburglar, right? Amen. I mean, it's, it's just a rote thing that would happen. Let me just tell you about the Lord's Prayer really quick. The Lord's Prayer, I, I believe that the Lord's Prayer, the, Jesus didn't give his, his disciples the Lord's Prayer to repeat it over and over again. I think he gave the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer to, to them and to us today to go, hey, when you pray, he said, pray like this. Pray like this. Hey, model your prayers in this kind of fashion. He, it, it, he would say, hey, have some adoration toward God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are just telling God how wonderful he is. That should be part of our prayer. 
uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver, uh, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. He's, he says, petition the Lord. Ask the Lord to, for, for help in your time of need. He also says, uh, repent for your sins. Repent for your sins in your prayer. Show your dependence on God in your prayer. And pray for the kingdom to break through in your prayer. He didn't say, say this prayer over and over again. I would just encourage you, I've said this before from this pulpit, if your prayers are rote prayers, if you say the blessing the same way, you're, you're, I'm not sure you're blessing the food or just speaking over the food, hey, pray to the Lord whenever you ask a blessing. Don't let your prayers become rote things over and over where this thing following Jesus just become just becomes a regular thing. But Jesus taught his disciples to pray. If you're in a gospel community group, you should practice praying. You should teach one another how to pray, how to petition the Lord for things. And that's what Jesus had done. He had taught them to pray. And they also not only, he not only taught them to pray, but they saw him hang on a bloody cross. They watched him beaten and battered dragging his cross, being nailed to the cross. They saw oh, the, all those things happen. And then the most important part, they saw him resurrected. Literally saw the resurrected Jesus in person, saw the nail scars in his hands and in his feet. And then they saw him ascend back to the Father. He said, it's better that I go away. And they saw him lift up into the air. And so these were people who were eyewitnesses uh, to the resurrection. And so they felt it a, a continued necessary a necessary thing for them to continue to go to the temple to worship this God who had brought all this into fruition. And from Acts chapter 2, uh, they saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that, where, the, where uh, Jesus said, it's better that I go away and I'm going to send the Spirit, I'm going to send the Comforter. They were there and just saw that. We just preached through that over the last few weeks. And now they were emboldened to go out. They were filled with this Holy Spirit and they were emboldened to go out and to, with this message that Jesus rescues sinners. And that same power that had fallen on them, they were walking out with that same power. So on this day, the text tells us from Acts chapter 3, they were going to the temple, as was their custom. Uh, they were probably going with a little bit more uh, pep in their step, you know, than maybe they had gone before. Uh, a little more pep in your step. Some of you walked in today with a little bit of pep in your step. And some of you didn't. And I just want to remind you that Jesus is alive. Jesus has overcome sin and death and hell and the grave on your behalf. And he invites you into that same type of life, that same type of life to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be alive in Christ Jesus, that our, that our following Jesus doesn't have to be something of doldrums and, and sadness. Yes, we are sad sometimes. Yes, we have heavy burdens that lay on us sometimes. But he causes that there is hope beyond that because Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. All right, verse 2. Let's keep going. So verse 2 says, And a man, so, th so they had gone to the temple, and as they're going to the temple, a man, a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, and asked alms of those who entered the temple. Now, I, I love the detail in this particular verse because it helps us understand that, that this was a real location. They specifically talked about a particular gate, uh, that this was a real story. It had a historical reference. And so as people in the day might have been reading this, they would have known where he was talking about, very specific places. It's for us as well to go, man, they're not just, this is not just some general story. This is about a very specific time and place where real events happen. And so think about what the text says about this man, this man that was being carried. Now, 
I need five volunteers. Rather strong volunteers. All right, come on. Come on. Come on, strong boys. Get up. Come on. Don't look down at your, Weston Duke, don't look down at your Bible. <laughs> Stay down here. Sit down. Yep. No, stand right here. I've got three. I need two more. Yep, there's four. I need someone kind of small. Yeah, come on. Come on. All right, so here's what would happen every day. Come right in front. Now lay down. Now each of you get on a corner of her. Pick her up. Do not drop her. Now I want you to carry her back to those doors and stop. I'd rather you go down the middle aisle, but just go your own way. <laughs> Lost control of this already. Stop right there in front of the doors. Now bring her right back up the middle aisle. <laughs> Careful. Please don't trip them. Now lay her down right on the, on the ground. That's day one. Now pick her up again. <laughs> Take her out just like you did. Stop in front of the door. Now bring her up the middle aisle. Now lay her on the ground. That's day two. One more time. Pick her up, take her out. See, they're grumbling and it's only day three. <laughs> Stop right there. Now bring her up the middle aisle. Day three. All right, now help her up. Just help her stand up. There you go. Get a round of applause. Help. Yeah, you guys sit down. Thank you. Every day, the Bible tells us this happened in this man's life. Every day, look what it said. A man lame from birth was being carried, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So not only did that, so not only that was just a picture of three days, but this somebody would have to carry this person in and lay them there, and they would sit there all day, and they would beg all day long. 
And then somewhere toward the end of the day, they would have to find somebody else to pick them up and carry them out and carry them, I guess, back home or wherever they were going to carry them. And then the next day, he would have to find somebody else to pick him up and carry him to the beautiful gate and lay him there. And he would lay there all day long and he would beg for something from people all day long. And then find somebody else at the end of the day to pick him up and carry him back to wherever it was that he was living. This happened, the Bible tells us, for this man's entire life. Daily, he would be brought to this place where he would beg for something. Every day, he depended on another. Every day, he asked help from another. Every day, he begged anything from another. He could not do anything for himself. He could not support himself. He could not even get himself out of the elements. If they brought him and laid him at the gate during the part of the day and it started to rain, he couldn't even pull himself out of the elements. He was fully dependent on someone else. He needed help. And then verse 3 tells us just a little bit more about what was going on. Look at verse 3. He says, And then he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asked to receive alms. So he looks up. He sees Peter and, and, and John um, uh, just walking by. He didn't know where they were going. He just said, here are two more dudes. I'm going to ask them to help me. And so he asked them to help him. And so you might say, well, what are alms? Are those like stuff to eat or what are alms? Alms really are anything you're willing to give up to somebody else. Maybe money maybe food, anything that, that you would be willing to part with for this person who lays in front of the beautiful gate for his entire life asking for help. Now, we experience some of this same kind of thing in the Mid-South. Not to this extent, but we experience some kind of this uh, in, in our own daily lives. Maybe even closer to home. Maybe even right here on the steps of our church property where people come up and ask for help. Ask for anything. We've had multiple people through our 14 years here at Refuge that have come and said, hey, I, I'm hungry. Can, can, you, can you give me some food or can you give me some money to get something to eat? Hey, I, I, I'm out of gas. Can you give me some money to just put some gas in my car? Hey, I, uh, I've been traveling and I, I've ended up here and can you, can you help me just have a night to stay in this hotel, one of these hotels here across the street? Can you help me? So it's, it's not exactly the same, but it's somewhat the same. Many of those cases, these people are in need. They, they depend on the compassion and the generosity of others. Just like this man we see in our text, depending on the compassion and the generosity of others. So part of the question becomes, should we give? Should we give to people whenever they ask us for help? I mean, what if somebody's really scamming us? Mm. What if somebody takes my money and goes and buys liquor with it? They tell me they're going to get a Big Mac, and they get Big Jack. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. What if they go buy something with it that they don't tell me they're buying with it? What if they go spend it on that crack cocaine? 
What if they do that with it? What am I supposed to do, preacher? What am I supposed to do when people ask me for help? Jesus encouraged his disciples from Luke chapter 12 to give to the poor. He even said, hey, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. I'm not building up wealth and I'm not building up here stuff here in this world. My kingdom's not of this world. Think about other people. Jesus also told us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth cannot, t- cannot eat it away, take it away. I think what Jesus was reminding us of and what we have to think about, even in reading this text, and maybe even seeing just a visual of this, is we're called to be generous people. You're called to be generous. If you're a Christian, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, Holy Spirit indwells you, you're called, I'm called, we're called to be generous people. Generous with our time, generous with our money, generous with our homes, generous with whatever we have that we've been blessed with, we're called to be generous people. You may need some help discerning some things. And if you go, should I give this or should I help this person or is somebody scamming me, what should we do? I'll tell you, you're scared to answer, I know. Uh, Pray. We have a helper. We have an advocate with the Father. We're called to pray and go, Holy Spirit, what what do I do in this case? How do I help in this? How do I best help in this case? Ask the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives within you, and the Holy Spirit will encourage you and tell you what to do. Maybe it's this man needs help. This person needs help. What should I do? Carol and I were just talking yesterday about how so many people at the end of their lives um, end up in a tiny hospital room, very few amenities, a bed, a bathroom, maybe a TV. And at that point, you kind of look up and go, nothing else really matters. You know, the things that we've accumulated in our life, sometimes those things just don't matter at that point. Sometimes when we get to that point and we look around and we have food to eat and a place to sleep and family around us, none of that other stuff really makes much of a difference. Other than if you have laid up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither the thief nor the moth can destroy. So be generous, church. Help one another, church. Be generous to people that you find in need. And, and, and so this guy that was destitute, who was laying on the ground, just much of like we saw depicted, laying on the couldn't help himself. He said, can I receive alms from you? What did they say? Look at verse 4. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. He's like, pay attention to us. We're about to say something to you, and so you look at us. And and I think this is kind of what's really cool about this part of the text. They weren't simply passerbys. Uh, They didn't just happen to be there. Both Peter and John were sovereignly placed at that moment, at that time, to walk by this man so that the the will and the... uh, uh, the plan of God could actually be accomplished. 
The intended purposes for that encounter was coming to fruition at this moment. And I want us to see our lives in the same light. I don't want us to just kind of go through the motions as we live our lives. But God places us in places for very specific purposes. He puts us in places in time for very specific things to happen. We don't just stroll, though we do sometimes just stroll through this life, we're called and we're placed in places so that God's purposes may be accomplished in us and through us as he sees fit to do it. Think, think about this. How many times does this happen on the regular with you? Think about this where you live. I, I often think about this. Think about this. This was bizarro when I was, when I was writing this down. Uh, at one time in my life, I was supposed to get a job with a pharmaceutical company. And so I'd gotten out of college, and uh, I had actually gone back to my parents' house uh, near Corinth, Mississippi, and was just living with them while I was trying to figure out, you know, when I was going to get married and all those kind of things. And there was a person there in Corinth that was a regional director for a pharmaceutical company. And I'd gotten a marketing degree, and, and, and so I was like, man, this is what I want to do. I want to make a good living, and I want to I be in marketing. And so uh, I had interviewed with this girl, and it come down. She, was the, she wasn't just a state director. She was like a southeast regional director from my hometown. And she, uh, so the, 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 there were, they had two jobs. Uh, both of them were in Oklahoma. One of them was in Oklahoma City. One was in another a city in Oklahoma. There were two jobs, and there were three people to get those jobs and I didn't get it I thought I was a shoe in I'm from the same hometown I uh, you know I, I, I knew her fam my family knew her family I, but I didn't get the job and I talked to the girl about why I didn't get the job and I believe it was mainly because big fun was birthed in Starkville. Uh, and during my time in college, I had somewhat of a less than stellar academic career. Uh, and so, literally, she looked at my transcript and was like, what happened here? And I was like, well, uh, let me explain this to you. But I didn't get the job. I was so upset about that. That's what I wanted to do. I thought, this is my marketing breakthrough. This is where I'm going to go. This is, what's, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to move to Oklahoma City, and I'm going to be a pharmacal sales rep. But now, 30 years on the other side of that decision, 30 years later, I look back at that go, if that had happened, I can promise you one thing, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't have lived in Arlington. I would, not been a, I would not have been part of a team of people that started Refuge Church. I wouldn't know any of you. And you wouldn't know me. And the truth is, you wouldn't know the difference. But for the sovereign hand of God but for the sovereign hand of God. 
It was God's sovereign plan to introduce me into that and to just crush my spirit at the time so that his, uh, his plans could be accomplished according to his purposes. And that's what brings us here today. And so God the Holy Spirit had Peter and John in that very place at that very time to accomplish the sovereign purposes of God. And, and, look, what, uh, and look what Peter and John said. Look in verse uh, 5. He says, and so he fixed his attention on them. So, the, so this is the lame man. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting to receive from them? What? Alms, yep. Alms, just whatever you got. What, what you got on you, bro? You got a snack, you know, you got anything, you got some money you can throw at me or whatever it is. He's expecting to receive alms, anything that somebody just might throw at a cripple that they've seen day after day in the same place on the, on the street. What did they say in response? Look at verse 6. They said, man, I got no silver or gold. I got no money that I can give you. Anybody here encounter that on the streets? You, you come to somebody and, and you just have to say, man, man, I got no money for you. How's that get received? Yeah, know where you are, right? Depends on where you are. If you live here long enough, you'll know what I'm talking about. They said, I, 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 got no, I got no silver or gold for you. But then he goes on and says this. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He's like, I'll give you something better. I'll give you something better than that. My mind goes to Eddie Murphy and him talking to his Aunt Bunny about making a hamburger. And, and they're trying to make a hamburger, and he's, she's like, Aunt Bunny says, I'll make you one better than McDonald's. And he's like, better than McDonald's? Sorry, that's, I digress back to my previous days at Mississippi State. Uh, let me ask you, what's better to give somebody a fish or to teach them to fish? Teach them to fish. What's better to, to give you what the Word says every week or for you to learn how to read the Word on your own and take it in yourself? Which is better? Say that a little more clearly. Y'all rumbled that one. Yeah, for you to learn to read it on your own, right? That's, that's better because I can tell you this. I can preach to you and with you here from the pulpit, but it's better for you to be able to open up the scriptures and understand what it is that the word said. And so what was better for this man? To give him alms or to tell him to rise up and walk? Yeah. Or to point to the way maker. Point to the miracle worker. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, Rise up and walk. And so Peter had the audacity to tell this crippled man who had been carried daily for his entire life to the beautiful gate, hey, get up and walk. Did he do this on his own volition? He just decided to do this on his own, under his own power, under his own healing magic? Is that how he did it? No, the Bible tells us he spoke with the authority of the name of the risen Savior. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Verse 7 says this, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So, so envision the scene. What do you think this lame man was thinking? 
I mean, how, how's this lame man going to respond? He's been lame his entire life. And here this dude is, he's never seen before in his entire life. And he's like, hey, bro, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. How would this guy respond? What would he choose to do in the moment? What would he do in the future? Let's see, verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. This is where it gets good. And so he didn't just wobble up, okay? He didn't just crawl up. He didn't grab a man's hand for help to get up. That's where I feel like I need a drummer and an organist. Uh, he, he didn't do all those things. He, he didn't just ease himself up. The Bible tells us that he leaped up. Like he got, he just like jumped up. After laying on the ground his entire life, he stood and he didn't waste any time. He began to walk. And I almost like, like he's walking like the whiz, you know. So I'm the whiz, man. I'm walking, bro. I mean, I could just see him. Can you see him walking? Like how would you think you would walk? Like you've been laying on the ground your entire life. These dudes say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. How would you walk? I think I'd walk something like this. Look at me. I'm the whiz. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I think I would walk, and that's the way I picture this guy walking. Literally, for the first time, blamed since birth, dependent on everyone else, but now he had been set free. These chains of being crippled were entirely gone from his body. You remember that, uh, uh, that, that I always, they'll, they'll show it on ESPN, that iconic uh, view of Michael Jordan whenever he hits the, the shot kind of at the end of the game to, to win the game. Like he runs over and like he jumps up and leaps up and, and like, I'm not going to jump. Uh, and, and like pumps his fist in the air. You might know what I'm talking about, the one about Jordan. If not, yeah, I mean, it's like iconic. That's the way I picture this dude just like leaping into the air and pumping his fist into the air. I like to picture that. Now, when people ask me about refuge and, and what are our gatherings like, I, I always describe us as a little bit Baptistic, a little bit Presbyterian, and a little bit charismatic with a seatbelt. <laughs> that, that's the way I describe refuge. You can't disagree with me there, I don't think. But sometimes, in times like this, sometimes you may need to jump up. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you may need to shout something. Sometimes you may need to, to lift your hands up to go, oh my goodness, God is so good to me. I, I can't not raise my hands up. You know what I'm saying? I know we are amongst some of the frozen chosen here in refuge. I see how we kind of just sit here sometimes. But sometimes, like, can y'all do this? Like, you lift your hands up. Just, just, in, just humor me for just a moment. Do, how about both of them? Yeah. Yeah, see? Nothing weird just happened. You just raised your hands up in church. Now you're all deemed charismatics. Amen. But sometimes we need to do that because we recognize that the Lord has been so good to us. He has done something that we could not do for ourselves. That's what, that's what this is a picture of. 
This man could not do this for himself. Outside of Jesus, he would not be able to do it. And, and we're going to talk about that. Look what it says in verse 9 and 10. All the people who saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All the, pe all the people saw him. I mean, he was not ashamed for what had happened to him at that time. They knew who he was. They had seen him day after day. Yet now, he's not at the gate asking for alms anymore. He's not laying at the gate dependent on other people anymore. He had left the gate walking and praising God. His despair had turned into dancing. He became an evangelist because of the good things that had happened in his life and because of the power of the risen Jesus. He's like, man, everybody needs to know what has happened to me. I once couldn't even stand, but in the name of the name of Jesus, I, I am alive again. I am walking. I'm doing something that I've, and I've become someone that I've never been before. And so what do we take from this text? Let me ask you this. On what do you fix your affections? On what do you affix your affections? This lame man was looking for just something to help him along the way. What's just going to help me today? Man, just give me some crumbs. Man, just give me a little bit of whatever you got in your pocket. He was, he was fixed on the things of the world, just something for sustenance. Looking for a temporary fix to whatever his situation was. Rather than the hope and the rescue. He didn't know about the rescue that was coming to him that was found in Jesus. And I'll ask you, are your affections fixed on temporary things or are they fixed on your eternal fate? That's a question you all have to answer. Temporary things or your eternal fate? Follower of Jesus, I'll ask you this. Do you look for opportunities? Man, are, you, are you prepared when opportunities come your way? John and Peter were walking along, but man, they were prepared. Opportunity, that God had placed a sovereign opportunity, or sovereignly placed an opportunity in their place. What does he do for you? How many of those does he place in your pathway along the way? My encouragement to you is be aware. Be listening. Be with people, especially people who may, not be, who may not know Jesus, who are outside the household of faith. Spend your time with people who need to know Jesus. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Be ready to, to give an answer, an opportunity to make Jesus known to others. Thirdly, I'll say this, be with God's people and about God's business. The formerly lame man who could not walk, who could not do anything on his own, suddenly when he got up and he, and where did he go? He didn't run out somewhere. He didn't go to some rest stop. He didn't go somewhere else. He, he wanted to be around the people of God. The Bible tells us that he suddenly was following uh, John and Peter as they went to the temple. He's like, I want to be with the people of God. I've been having to lay in this spot. I've been having to lay on the ground for my entire life. And now I have an opportunity to get up. I can go anywhere I want to go. And he wanted to go to the temple to be with the people of God, to be with the God who had raised him up, who had given him the ability to walk. 
Let me just tell you, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I talked to some people this week, and they were telling me about last week's sermon where I brought the camera in close, and I pointed my finger, and I saw them at, a, at an event that I was at, and this guy told me, he said, man, we were, he said, I had somebody in my house, they left about 10 minutes before, uh, before uh, church started, and they were like, I don't know, should we go or not, and they just decided to watch it on TV last week, and then, you know, I, I like pointed my finger at the camera, and he said, I literally felt like your finger was like this close to my face. And so if that's what it took, you know, that's just what it took. But don't forsake the, the scripture tells us, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. It also tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be with the people of God, be on mission, uh, and be about God's business. And I'll say this, because the scripture tells us that he was filled with wonder and amazement. I'll say this, do people want to know more about Jesus because they're around you? Are you in awe of Jesus? Do you just go, man, I can't believe that Jesus would save somebody like me. I can't believe that he has adopted me into his family. I can't believe that he calls me his own. I can't believe that I get to partake in the, in the heavenly banquet one day. Do people feel that and sense that about you? Do they see Jesus in your life? Do they see Jesus in your actions, in your reactions, the speech and what you talk about? I guarantee you this dude right here, he was ready to give an answer for the hope that lied within him. And I'll ask this question lastly. If you're not filled with wonder, then why are you filled with despair? Because those are the kind of the opposites of each other. You're not like the beggar in the story. You're not lame from birth. So what is that oh so long and embedded thing that's in your life that keeps you from being in awe and wonder about the risen Jesus. What is it? Listen, if, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, we are of all men most miserable. We ought to find something else to do if he's not risen from the dead. If he has not overcome death and hell and the grave, I, I'd tell you just not to come back. You, you're, you'd, we'd all be wasting our time. But the truth is, he has been raised from the dead. He is alive. He is at the right hand of the Father. He is ever interceding on behalf of his saints. And it's why we gather together to worship the one who has given us life and hope and a future. That there is a, a reward waiting for us one day. That we do have life found in him. We no longer have to look at the despair of our current life. We no longer have to wait in rescue for someone to come and rescue us. We no longer have to live in our sin. Just look at me and with this I'm going to close. I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
the one who paid it all, I invite you not to stand and walk, but to be born again. Today. Today, be born again. How do I do that, preacher? Repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and believe the gospel that Jesus lived the life you cannot live, died the death you deserve to die, and is ever interceding at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. You get his righteousness. He took all your sin. You get all his righteousness. And as quickly as this lame man in our text got up and walked, just as quickly you will rise from your spiritual grave and be alive forevermore. Your sins will be forgiven. Your eternity will be secure. Your life will be forever changed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I invite you today, right now, be born again. Let me pray for us.